You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly podcast. I read a story and I'm a friend, Gareth Reynolds. Who has no idea what the topic is about. It's from American history. The bi-weekly thing is now, it's just... It's a thing. It's like, it's loaded, even if... Everybody. Everybody sent me their opinion. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I got a lot of it too, and it's just fine, right? Yeah, it's not a big deal. Who is this person who kicked up all the dust? I don't know. I wish I could go back and find out, but I'm sure they're hanging their head in shame. Shame. Yeah. And if they're doing it twice a week, they're hanging it in shame bi-weekly. Or semi-weekly. Yeah. Or twice a week. Or twice a week. <laughs> Bi-weekly's better, though. Come on. All right, I'm in. God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are <laughs> Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. <laughs> a bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> 1899! Philip Peters and his new bride were just getting started in life. Okay. They bought a new small home in a nice neighborhood on the north side of Denver. Philip had just begun working at a railroad office. Of course, there was a mandolin club. I'm sorry? I said, of course, there was a mandolin club. A club of mandolin lovers and players? People who like playing the mandolin. Okay. It's Denver, the 1899. Listen, I mean, that's that, what happens. Okay, that doesn't to me that doesn't scream mandolin era, but okay. Well, you didn't live back then. No, I didn't. One day inside the home, several couples played their mandolins while waiting for a seventeen-year-old boy to show up. The boy Theodore was very good at playing, and he gave them tips on strumming the mando. I'm, I I'm assuming that you're making that. I mean, I, yeah, I did call it strumming the mando. Strumming the mando. They'd be you like, bet. get out of the club. You bet. Come on, I just came here to strub some mandos. That's fine, I'll go home and stru- strum the mandos. Easy, sir, I, you're talking, no. Did I wink? The guy, the guy who just comes in naked masturbating. Hey, I'm here to strum the mando. <laughs> what? Wrong party, sir. Uh, you guys should be more clear. I have a bunch of friends showing up. <laughs> They're also going to be strumming the mando. If any of you ladies want to strum the mando, let, uh, there it is. All right? It's easy Man. to play. Do <laughs> Easy to play. The boy looked through the curtains of the home. He was holding his mandolin and coughing. He wasn't well. He was skinny and sickly looking. He had long, slender fingers and a feverish eyes. Sounds like Nosferatu. Doctor, he is. Okay. That's what it's going to have. That's where it goes <laughs> oh, this is the ins- oh, this That's Nosferatu. nice to know the origin. Uh, doctors in many different cities had told him he probably wouldn't live to see 18. He had a heart condition. He rang the doorbell and was invited in. The teen became friends with the Peters and was a frequent guest at their home that fall. Okay. There were many nights in autumn of of 1899 when the ailing youth had dinner with Philip and his wife. Theodore had dropped out of high school, but his mother wouldn't let him get a job, which he didn't think mattered because he was going to die soon. Sounds like a pretty positive life. Yeah. You know? He hadn't What does it matter? I'll be dead anyway. Who cares? Just my mandolin and my dead body. Just have long fingers and be in the ground. 
I'm gonna have fingers stick out. Now we are written. I mean, I think I started the snowball effect of us shitting on a dude. It's like 18's when I die. I'm a sad time boy. Oh, I only get an eighth of real life. Aww. <laughs> like how he broke it down into fractions. I bet it's off. <clears throat> if it's math, it's off. He was born on a farm uh, uh, near a... Uh, ooh, God, it's gone. He was born on Never a farm heard of that town. In, in Wisconsin, and he went to high school there. His father uh, died when he was just a baby. He had moved to Denver in 1910. He wanted to play sports, but because of his bad heart, that was not possible. Yeah. He loathed people... Staying s- alive is the sport he's playing. So he's pretty weird looking. Yeah, he, sound, well, he doesn't sound easy on the eyes. So he loathed people staring at him and laughing at him, as often happened. Why? What about that did he not respond to? I don't know. Look at the praying mantis. Hey, long fingers. <laughs> Maybe it's easy to strum because you have giant long fingers. Did you ever think about just putting some strings in between your really long, weird fingers and playing those, you fucking freak? His dream was to just live by himself where he couldn't hear others mocking him. Jeez, that's so sad. That's like the, the hunchback's dream. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh. The Peters lost. My only friend are the bells. (laughs) The bell. No one understands me like the bells. It's going to come so close to that. Peter lost touch with young Theodore, but several years later, uh, the Peters lost touch. But some years later, Philip Peters was leaving the railroad office when he brushed against a scruffy, skinny man. It was Theodore. Mm -hmm. He was still alive. They spoke. Theodore said his mother had lost all their money to some con man. They had talked her into selling... I can f- get your boy real fingers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, you just give me 200 up front, and then 200 when I get him the new normal fingers. I can't do nothing about the skin of the face, though. Uh, I actually know a face guy. Give me that money, I'll talk to him. All the money, sell your house, we'll get new fingers. I'm suggesting we re- reupholster your boy. Lady, you fell for the old house for fingers, Swindle? I don't want to talk about it. That's he was been so around charming. Since, that's been around since people got fingers. <laughs> anyway, want to buy a bridge? They talked her into selling the family home, investing it all in a mine in Denver. Oh, boy. That was Selfish. the last, ti- last time she saw the men. Okay. Good. So, okay. I'm just assuming it's going really well. <laughs> uh, Philip invited Theodore over for dinner, just like old times, but Theodore declined. He said he was now working in advertising in downtown Denver. He what? lived with and uh, took care of his mother. They parted ways again. Then, in the spring of 1912... Philip Peters bumped into Theodore again. This time, things had changed quite a bit. Okay. Theodore's mother had passed away. He now had no idea what he was going to do. He was just getting by. He didn't tell Philip his dark secrets, like the time he tried to join the army, but was laughed at. Mm. That's a bad Same thing recruiter? happened to Gomer Pyle. Did, did, did it? Yeah. I don't know. He was la- just like, hey, I would like to join the Empire. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hold oh on. my God. Let me get my, uh, let me, let me get my supervisor. Okay. Don't move. Okay, Captain okay. Fingers. Okay. So, uh, sorry. <clears throat> tell us what you want again. Hey, uh, do we have room for a praying mantis in the army? Tell, tell us what you want from more like time. Jo- I would like to join the army. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> fuck, look at him. Look at him, Sarge. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> get oh, the fuck out. Oh, boy. Seriously, get out. You're hard to look at, but my God. Hilarious. Do you even use a fork or do you just poke him with the... Because he doesn't use a fork. We can put marshmallows on this kid's hand and make s'mores. <laughs> All we need is a fire. 
fucking thing. They're like talons. He also did not tell uh, Philip that his business had collapsed or that he had lived for a while as a hobo traveling and continue to cough everywhere he went. He said for a while... My favorite kind of hobo is a coffin hobo. Yep. Kafobo. Kafobo. Uh, he stayed for he lived for a while under a bridge in California, and now is back in Denver, staying in a flop house. The once young mandolin p- uh, player now just drifted around from state to state. He had once tried to work as a salesman in New York, but couldn't do it. He gave of course up. not. The only he, only thing he could sell would be gloves, <laughs> long ones. Yeah, like really, yeah. Um. So now he lives. Now he's in Denver. Uh. Again, did not accept the invitation to dinner, and they went their separate ways. Okay. Things weren't going great for Philip either. His wife had broken her hip two weeks before, and she was still in the hospital. A concerned neighbor came by to see how he was doing when he didn't show up for dinner that night. She'd been feeding Philip every night since his wife went into the hospital. She knocked on the door, but no one answered. She rang the bell. The house was dark. Was it night? Yep. Okay. I think think we're a little dramatic on that one. It's light out, except in the house, it's dark. So the lights were off. It's in a wormhole. No, no, no. No, no, no. Nope. No, it isn't. There's a darkness in the home. Yes. That cannot be explained by physics. Can be absolutely explained by everything. Being concerned, the neighbor went and gathered up a large group of neighbors. So she gets everyone up. She gets everyone. Oh, there's something wrong with Philip. Well, I went over there and there was no one there. Get all the neighbors. Everybody come. Bring fiery torches. They came back to Philip's house and tried to get in to make sure Philip was okay. They tried every door and window, but they were all locked. That's strange. There were screens on all the windows. That's even stranger. Then a young girl found a screen loose and managed to pry a window open. She climbed inside. Everyone was outside when they heard her terrified scream. Mm. Philip Peters was dead. The 73-year-old retired railroad auditor had been murdered in his own home where he had lived for close to 50 years. Oh, boy. This was not the type of neighborhood where murder occurred. Everyone was shocked. Oh, boy. The police were called. When they arrived, they found... This has Nosferatu written all over. (laughs) Wormy fingers. Wait, are these... uh, Looks like some fingers shed here. So... Are these finger sheddings? We got the fingerprints. And they're huge. <laughs> we think we're looking for some kind of big ostrich. Is that what you came up with for long fingers? Well, I'm thinking like an ostrich talons. What about like a sloth? I, I, I mean, I think I'm thinking they claw. Have t- they have claws. <laughs> what are you? What are you critiquing my fucking bits? I'm an ostrich. Well, okay, fine. Sloth. <laughs> Do you want to go back? How do you want to handle this? This is new. <laughs> I just disagree with the the biology segment. I was struggling. You heard me. There was a stammer in there. I didn't have it on deck. I was halfway through thinking about it. I had nothing, and I said ostrich. Ugh, maybe we won't go to Australia. You know, fuck you. <laughs> All right. Fucking finger critiques. So the police, son of a bitch, come and they find his body downstairs in a bedroom. He was very bloody, half-dressed, and barefoot. There were more than a dozen wounds to his head. Uh. Philip had been beaten and beaten. Uh. It was quick, and police believed he never saw it coming. It wasn't a robbery. His watch was found, 
as was money on his dresser. There was no motive, just a dead man in all his possessions, and there was no sign of a break-in. Oh, boy. The front door was locked with a key still in, in so, the I mean, what, he, he just really wanted to make it obvious. And it was secured with a chain. Okay. So it could only have been done from the inside. The back door was also locked. Okay. So everything's locked. There's no yeah. way out. Yeah, yeah. There was a damp towel in the kitchen covered in bloodstains. They also located two cast iron shakers. One was dusty and dirty, while the other had just been clean. Police concluded the killer was a large man and crazy. Uh, <laughs> there were no clues. The killer just vanished into thin air. Mm. On January... Much like Nosferatu. Yeah! In January 1942, it was very cold, as it often is in Denver. Some children were rushing by the home when they said they saw a bright light inside. At this point, the house was empty. There should not have been a light shining inside. Then another neighbor said she saw a ghost inside one of the windows. The neighbors began to talk and decided the house was haunted. Okay. It took a long time to recover from her broken hip, but she had done it. Mrs. Peters was ready to leave the hospital and decided she wanted to go to the home she'd shared with her husband, Philip, even though he had been killed there. What, this? Oh, my God. Did this dude kill him just to fucking live there? But it had been her home for 50 years, and that's where she felt she belonged. Then one night, something scared her, and she fell down again. Oh, gosh. She fractured her thigh again. <sighs> but she had had it with hospitals and refused to go. So a nurse came to stay with her. <clears throat> now, this nurse was not as old as Miss Peters, and she was unfamiliar with the house. She heard things. Noises inside the walls and, and rattling. Oh, fuck me, Dave. Someone, is this dude? What? Fucking, is he living in the walls like a goddamn I rat? I don't know what. Or what some would call a sloth. <laughs> if, my an, if I'm off on my animal accuracy. Is he living inside the walls like an ostrich? Is he, is he inside the walls like a big cat? Is he in there like some kind of giant African bird? <laughs> you know, they're saying his fingerprints were much like that of a bird. Excuse me? Yeah? Sorry, what were you guys talking about? <laughs> Pardon? Huh? He laying some big old eggs. <laughs> you know, you, hey, man, his fingers are so long, I bet his babies come out of eggs. <laughs> You're listening to the Riff Hour. <laughs> You're listening to bad riffs. Someone came out uh, uh, to check on things and found nothing, but the nurse wasn't buying it. Next, she said she saw a ghost on the back stairs. It chattered its teeth at her. Eesh. She immediately quit and left. Yeah, the right call. <laughs> I quit. Then a neighbor stepped in and took care of Miss Peters. But the neighbor was not familiar with the home either, and now she was hearing things. Several days later... Say, why did the last nurse quit? Oh, well, she just heard someone living in the walls and saw a ghost rattle its teeth. She saw a chattering teeth ghost. She saw a chat, what some are calling a chattering ostrich. <laughs> Some, not many, but a few. Just one, actually. One weirdo. <laughs> he's not good at this. <laughs> he's, he's not a good labeler. <laughs> do, do you think he meant sloth? I just don't think he knows what sloths are. That's the only thing I can think. But he's really sticking to it. <sighs> Several days later, the neighbor heard stra a strange noise and ran into the kitchen. She did not turn on the lights, and there she saw a ghost standing at the foot of the stairs. 
Okay. Investigators came. She described it as filthy and wraith-like. Filthy? What's wraith-like? Who? who? A wraith. Uh, well, there's there's wraiths in... Um, uh, it's like, wait. Is uh, that like what a person, a li- person with a lisp, calls a marathon? It's like a, it's like a. Well, it's like a, it is a spirit. I mean, it's like a, it's okay. like a ghost. A it's like another name for ghost, but it's. I think it's like a creepier kind. Okay, so a creepy ghost. A creepy ghost. Okay, gotcha. CG. Alrighty. Um. So it vanished when she screamed. Relatives insisted Miss Peters needed to get out of the house, so she went to live with her son in Western Colorado. The house was now vacant. Okay. I'm sure the ghost is into that. Meanwhile, police said they would keep an eye on the house. Mm-hmm. In July 1942, two police officers were doing just that. They were sitting across the street watching the home. The sun was going down, and a mailman was walking down the street delivering mail. <whistles> yep. Yep. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Both police looked at the mailman when one, out of the corner of his eye, saw a ghost face suddenly appear between the curtains of the house. Ghost face. I'm ghost face killer. Then he started rapping. The police hit the, the policeman hit his partner who looked up and also saw the horrible white face. He said he got a chill on his neck and in his stomach. Okay. I don't know what a chill is in your stomach. I don't think that's the right. It's like when you eat a bunch of ice cream. I feel like that one got lost in a game yeah, of telephone. He got a chilly stomach. Hey, you got chilly stomach from seeing that ghost? I can't tell you how cold it is in my tummy. <laughs> the ghost was also watching the mailman. The two cops then jumped out of their car and dashed across the street. One blew his whistle to call for assistance as he ran. That's, cops should have whistles. Cops should have whistles again. So, All so right? sad. A fucking whistle. Uh, just seeing him whistle. Uh, the ghost that had peeked out from between the curtains was now gone. One caught hit, hit the door. Um, with his shoulder and broke it down. They looked around. The place was packed up. The furniture was covered in sheets. Old magazines lay on the table. On the piano, there's a picture from long ago. It was Theodore looking sick and frail as usual in a turtleneck sweater holding a mandolin. And then he vanished in the photo. And then the photo said boo. And then the piano started being played from long weird fingers. Much like a dead ostrich claw. <laughs> Some would say, one said. Well, one, bang, bang, bang. Like it didn't have fingers. It was like an ostrich. Uh, the police began to search the home. They started on the lower level. The rooms smelled like an animal. Mm, more, I know which kind. More cops arrived responding to the whistle. Two of them dashed Responding up. to the whistle. If you hear a whistle. We you heard know. a whistle. No, you this guys is hear a the soccer game. game. Also, the worst thing, if someone whistles, I don't know where the fuck that's coming from. What, and How do and you, I mean, that, that basically says that, like, you need a license to have a whistle? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's a special whistle they do. They had a special whistle? Like, in a soccer whistle? game, they just go, tweet, but a cop on his body, tweet, 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 tweet. Yeah, but what if there's, like, a fight in the soccer game? You know, all the cops will show up. Well, then, you, then everyone blows their whistle. It's fine. Mm, I think we're saying different things. Uh, so two of the cops ran upstairs, and as they did, they saw a closet door swing shut. Mm. One of the policemen opened the closet door, and when he did, he saw two bare feet kicking away as a ragged pair of pants tried to disappear into the attic. The ghost is getting naked! (laughs) Ghost feet! I think the ghost is trying to show us his dick! The Academy never prepared me for ghost feet! Boy, I don't know what kind of whistle code you blow on this one, but we got a bottomless ghost. Scooby-Doo! We got a ghost who looks like an ostrich and is dressed like Porky Pig. Uh... 
Yeah, that's what came through on the whistle. Was that they have? Yeah, I don't know if I'm reading this whistle code right, sir. But it sounds like we got an ostrich, porky, porky pig dressed ghost. Yeah, that's what said. That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> so the cop grabbed onto the ragged old pants, but they just ripped apart in his hands. What? He then grabbed one of the feet. It was between him and the ghost. Because the closet was so small that the other policemen couldn't get in. Yeah, what's how's it going in there? I'm having a ghost fight. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, these are some stinky feet. <laughs> he yanked and yanked. The ghost screamed in pain and then went limp as it was pulled out of the attic. The police took it down. It had fainted from the struggle. <laughs> Pussy a, ghost. A few minutes later, they had taken the ghost down from the attic and placed it on the floor. It was unconscious. It was frightfully skinny. It's not a good ghost. Clothes were in tatters, hair was tangled like a wild animal, and it was remarkably filthy. The police captain came, took a look at it, and ordered them to get a doctor and an ambulance. It was a man, this ghostly thing, and it was barely alive. Give me his name. It looked like it had been starving. It weighed just 75 pounds. Oh, Jesus. No wonder it fainted. The police officer tried to get through the hole into the attic, but he was too large. It was said to be three times the size of a cigar box. What? Apparently no one measured it. Yes, cigar boxes. Can you get a fourth cigar box in there? <laughs> no, no, no way. All right, so it's a th- three cigar box. <laughs> All right, cool. We got a three cigar box here up here. Now let's go see how big a football field is. The officer did manage to poke his head through and, the att- and look in the attic, which was just... A few sizes larger than a coffin. So they don't know how to measure anything. No, 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 no. It was, no, we're, got it, okay. it's pretty clear. Yeah. It was, it was less than four cigar boxes. Right. And it was less than the size of a small coffin. No, bigger than a coffin. It was a little than, bit bigger than a coffin. So it was bigger than a coffin and it was three cigar boxes. <laughs> so I guess what we're learning is that cigar boxes used to be fucking huge. Hey, Sarge, can I ask you a question? It better be about cigar boxes. Yeah, can we start using rulers and whatnots? Well, uh, no, that no, we want to be accurate. The world is on the cigar box standard. Who are we to go and overturn such a thing? Listen, like I told you, you're nine cigar boxes tall, and my car is 55 cigar boxes, okay? You can get 45 cigar boxes in a coffins. All right. So a coffin... Is equal to 45, two coffins, 90, and so forth. All right. And then we keep going. Now, (laughs) on the more important stuff. (laughs) Okay, so up in the attic. uh, You know, the earth is over 2 billion cigar boxes. (laughs) It's true. It's true. You see that moon? That's over 900 billion cigar boxes away. You can see it with a telescope if you're lucky. Makes you think, huh? Here we are. Yeah, but I like to measure by coffins, but I get what you're saying. Uh, listen, I'm into the coffin standard, too. Yeah. I had this guy at the fire who was talking about rulers. <laughs> fuck that guy. What the fuck's a ruler? What is this, Australia? No, I guess uh, apparently... Uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Nine rulers is a cigar box. That's why it won't work. That conversion... Who the fuck are these animals? I don't know. It's Where met- do they come from? Yeah, it's the whole metric Jesus movement. Christ, this is America. It's disgusting. Anyway, you got any cigars? Uh, yeah, I got, well, I got a cigar box the size of a cigar box with cigars in it. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, actually, don't be blown away. It's pretty standard. Okay. 
Okay, so upstairs in the attic, there was a light bulb hanging from a wire and a horrific stench of animal. There was a bed made from an ironing board, magazines in shreds were in the bedding, and there were a shitload of spider webs. Oh, God. Live in large! Oh, God. The man regained consciousness and was taken to the police station. He gave, uh, they gave him food, and he told them his story. His name was Theodore. Yeah. He had been in the neighborhood in 1945 and 1941 when he was uh, living in flop houses and trying to figure out what to do. He went to the home of his old friends and knocked on the door, but no one was home. He then discovered the door was unlocked. So he went in and stole some food. Right? He was invited to dinner. What else to do to the people who were really nice to you? He, they, like, why did he steal food? They asked him to well, come eat. The door eat. was open. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, only people that have been nice to me. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, the door's open. I can kill him. He then went upstairs to look for valuables to steal. When he looked in the closet, he found the hole that led to the attic. Oh, God. Physically, he was in terrible shape. His lungs were making it difficult for him to get around, and he was at the end of his rope. He was yeah, time lo- to go live in a stinky hole with spiders. He was looking at facing another cold winter out in the elements, and he just couldn't do it. He needed a place to stay. So he climbed, climbed in the hole and went to sleep. Uh, I mean, listen, it's low standards, I guess. The attic was about four feet wide at the bottom and tapered to a point about three feet high. Or, or more than a coffin. So about 12 square cigar boxes? Yeah, about 12 square, yeah, about 12 CGs. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, he didn't know long, how long he was going to stay. Whenever he heard Philip in the home, he would remain still. Oh, Jesus. Then as the days went by, he became more daring, and he started shadowing Philip from room to room in the walls. <laughs> Jesus. It was like a game to him. He felt like the first time he'd ever had anyone at his mercy. I mean, um, I think you're at his mercy a little bit, too. Crazy. You're at the mercy of walls. Crazy low self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. When you're like, finally, a relationship. (laughs) It's like we're dating. Yeah. Then one day, over a month later, Theodore was getting some food out of the fridge when Philip walked in. He thought, Philip was, he thought Philip was out of the house, but he had just taken a nap. Philip turned to run for help, and without thinking, Theodore grabbed the iron stove shaker and hit him, and hit him, and hit him, and hit him, until mm-hmm. Philip was dead. Okay. Then he washed the shaker. Yeah, a little strange decision-making. I mean, he was going to run away. Not good on his feet. Yep. I mean, you know, he was running away. Wait, try that. I know you. Hey, I'm hungry. Hey, I'm hungry, hey, and you've been nice to me. Totally hungry. Sleeping hey. up, Sleeping upstairs. Uh, so he washed off the shaker and dried it with a towel. Then he went back into his attic. After the police found the body... Why back to the attic? I mean, I guess because of the cops. Where is he going to go? Well, you That's do... That's his home. Yeah, well, you do have a whole home now. You've murdered someone. Right. Uh, after the police found the body, one of them uh, tried to open a trap door to the attic, but Theodore sat on it, so he couldn't get it open. A <laughs> <laughs> classic foiled! Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It moves a little if I push hard. Hey, let's get out of here. Come on. Whistle it in. Uh, so he stayed, and then Miss Peters and her nurse came. Oh, he was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, come on, I had this shit down. Jesus. And so he remained. Then summer came, and it was terrible and hot in the walls and the attic, but it was worth it to have somewhere to stay. He had no idea why he stayed in the crawl spaces for so long. Maybe it was because, uh, 
it was his own world in there and there was no one to mock him or laugh at him. Sometimes he'd go down and watch the mailman. I mean, this is a life. Oh, shit, it's 2.30. I got to move. This move. is living. He's got to go through the walls. So, so, the highlight of my day. So this, this, so the, the, the lady and the nurse have moved out. So there's no food in here. So he's just like fucking starving. In, yeah, in a hole. In a hole. He's living um, like Saddam Hussein. When he saw strangers on the street, he felt anger and would go back into his attic. That's interesting. He's motherfucking goddamn son. Look at him walking around without people laughing at their hands. So he was arrested and charged for the murder. The press dubbed Theodore the Spider-Man of Denver after police detective Fred Sarnow said, quote, a man would have to be a spider to stand it long up there. Also because of his wide eyes and long slender fingers. And the spider webs in the attic. <laughs> I mean, is this the origin of Spider-Man? There's no way he didn't eat a spider. Oh, God. Or a fly. Ugh. No fucking way. Oh, Jesus Christ. He was sentenced to life in prison. Which in- is a dream. He's been living in a fucking hole with right, no food. Right, He gets in prison. He's like, holy shit, I'm a king. Oh, look at all these mashed potatoes. Oh, hey, I can pick the lock with my fingers. <laughs> hey, cool. Uh, he entered the prison on November 18th, 1942, and died at the prison hospital on May 16th, 1967. He is buried in Mount Vale Cemetery uh, in, in uh, Woodpecker Hill. Hmm. Woodpecker. How about that? Sounds like fucking, a bird. How about that creep? I mean, that creep? Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is a movie. That's why you don't play the mandolin. I've always said that. There, right? Yeah. Thank you. You're going to get a freak living in your walls That's who murders your husband. all starts. Yeah. There is a guy. Uh, oh fuck, what was I going to say? There's a guy. I did say that, didn't I? Yeah. There's a movie uh, in the '70s, uh, and where I lived, we had this. We had the three thirty movie on Channel Seven on ABC every okay. day, and it was always a weird. Every day. Yeah, Monday through Friday. Spoiled. And it was always some weird, crazy movie. Right. And there was one made-for-TV movie called Bad Ronald. Bad Ronald. <clears throat> and Bad Ronald's a story clearly based on this a story of a kid who um, was weird and a girl was laughing at him and he pushed her over on her bike and he killed her. Okay. And then he went home and his mom was like, well, I have to hide you. And so they, he lived in like a space in the middle of the house that was behind all the walls, you oh know, God. and he could go between the walls. Yeah. And the only way to get in out was his board under the pantry. Right. So he'd come in to get food and stuff. And then his mom went to have surgery and she died. And a new family moved in. Oh, God. And he would just like watch them and was obsessed. There was like three girls and he was obsessed with them. And Dabney Coleman was the dad. And and he like created this fake world called Narnia in there. Like Narnia where he'd like paint <laughs> paint pictures of the girls. More Turkish him. delight. It's just like a rat's guts. And then one night he carved little holes so he could see through. And then one night he left the light on and fell asleep, I think. Yeah. And then a girl saw the light coming out and he crashed to the wall. And then, yeah. But it clearly was based on this. Bad Ronald, highly recommend. If you're in that position, you just ha- you just say surprise and smile, and then hope that you could what fucking about, sell yourself out of something. I'm dating myself, but what about Kool Aid? <laughs> Kool Aid, you yeah. yell Kool Aid. <laughs> Kool Aid, yeah, but you're covered in blood. Ah, same thing. Hey. All right, so that's the story of the Spider-Man at Denver. Normal. Just a no- another normal story. Completely normal. Just dude. another normal tale. All right, girls. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. 
It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.